What is going on, everybody out there? Welcome to the IGN All-Star Community Podcast, the number one IGN community podcast on the internet. I'm one of your hosts, the epic Jake James Lugo. With me, I have my compatriots, Mr. Peter Lopez and Mr. David Quigley. Gentlemen, what's happening? Hey, good morning. Happy Pokemon Friday. <laughs> Happy Pokemon 20th anniversary, indeed. Yeah. Pokemon's 20th anniversary just happened now. For the record, asterisk on this we didn't have pokemon here in the states for 20 years it was japan that has it for 20 years i'm just putting it out there for all the pokemon <laughs> diehards that are talking about yo we've been playing pokemon for 20 years no you haven't be calm, <laughs> calm down anyway david how you doing dude doing all right you um, doing clean yeah clean that's good. ready to go that's good nice nice now fun fun quick like you know answer quick comment do you care about pokemon or no in general or me yeah, Dave, well, just in general. Do I care matter. about Pokemon? I mean, <laughs> I no. 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 Like, if I had to just pick like one that. or the other, no. But, I mean, I did. I mean, <laughs> I, I played red. I know you guys are all on Team Blue because you're Damn wrong. Right. But, yeah. squat. I mean, obviously, a dragon is better than a turtle, but that's not here nor <laughs> oh, there. Oh, come on. <laughs> Dude, no, we are not going down this roll again. Blue, Blue doesn't again. even I'm have Scyther in it. Uh, oh, who cares? Had, I think red had Scyther, was it? Yeah, it did, because red's better. Red is not just, better. You can just get it from someone who has red and put it in your blue cartridge. Exactly. But then you have a blue cartridge and you're on the wrong team. <laughs> oh, you're on the right team. For the record, I'm just going to put it out there. The reason why blue is so awesome why Blastoise is better than Charizard because Blastoise got freaking giant guns on his back. Hell That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> Come on, he's like the Gundam of the Pokemon universe. Couldn't, uh, couldn't a dragon just fly outside of the range of those guns that are no! super soakers at best? No, it doesn't work that way. And plus, they do look like super soakers. I'm just saying, though, it don't work that way in a Pokemon battle. And plus, also, when he mega evolves, he gets three guns. He's got one on each arm and a giant cannon. That doesn't like, even awesome sound like a real thing. Mega Evolve. That is amazing. I checked out after Red, so I have no idea what you're talking about. What does what Charizard do? He turns like black skin, like yeah. or gray skin or he, something. Charizard is, is the final evolution. That's it. No, there's there's Mega Charizard. No, afterwards. Pokemon ended in like 1996. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> good point. I could just see all of us like as kids in like third or fourth grade just arguing about Pokemon. That was real. That was legit. Only I was that young. It happened. There were furious arguments. It was almost as bad as the Sega and SNES. Uh, what is it? Sega and Nintendo arguments back in the day. Over Pokemon, it was vicious. Mm. It was vicious. But enough about Pokemon. Let's actually get into today's topics that we got mm. for this week. So, Dave and my man, what do you got for us this week? Well, I thought we could uh, do some hungover bragging and talk about what our biggest accomplishment in gaming is now it used to be back in the day the only real thing you could do was like a high score run uh but not anymore you've got you know there's tournaments everywhere you have all these speed running communities with special uh different twists on the run whether you can pick up items or you know a certain way of doing it uh you have a lot of games with daily challenges built right in where Everybody plays the same thing every day, so I thought we could talk about what the our own personal proudest accomplishment is from like a competitive level. Competitive level, like well, not even a scale of people like head to head or anything, but just you know, or, or just like if, a proud accomplishment. Yeah, that you yeah, just you know, you could be competing against the high scorer on an arcade game or something. You know, it doesn't have to be. Okay, that's interesting, Pete. What do you What do you got? <sighs> um. Well, I can leave off if you want another minute to think about it. Well, no, no, no. It, 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 it's not that. It, I mean, there, there are two. Uh, one really quick one was at our local arcade uh, in the town that I live in. Uh, there, there was a, a Dance Dance Revolution machine. I think it was DDR Extreme, and this was way back in I think oh, oh man, oh four, maybe two thousand and three, yeah. um, <clears throat> and and I remember. Everybody that played that video game were really good at it. And I kind of sucked at it until I started to get really good. And a big accomplishment for me was um, beating Max 300 on um, Expert, which is insanely difficult. Um, if you guys don't know what that song is like, look it up on YouTube and you'll completely freak if out. If I beat any song on DDR, that'd be a big accomplishment. <laughs> 
Um, and the other one was completing my Pokedex, uh, my original Pokedex uh, with all 150 uh, Pokemon. And I didn't do that until Pokemon um, like Leaf Green uh, for the Game Boy Advance. And the way I had it set up was it was all 150, but my um, my Pokedex was it was like everybody had an evolution, right? It was like you had Squirtle, Wartortle, and and Blastoise. Yeah, it was three stages. Yeah, everybody had that, with the exception of a few. Sure, um, but yeah, so something like that. I mean, it, obviously, not a lot of people will will think that's impressive or that's cool. But for me, that was like, dude, that took a lot of time. <laughs> oh yeah. So, uh, so for me, yeah, those are my two biggest gaming accomplishments for sure. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, I can give JJ another minute. Um, my own is, and every once in a while, I still jump back into this. But the one of the the great feelings is running a, a, a Spelunky daily challenge and popping up number one at the end, mm. uh, just because it's something that is. I mean. Not to be oh, too much, you know, not to be a braggart here, but it's not as difficult as you used to be. So it's it's definitely a game that I have, I don't want to say mastered mechanically, but certainly I'm well above the typical player of this because you look at the trophies and it's like 3% of people even make it out of the first level or something. You know, it's ridiculously low. Um so I've done a few daily challenge number ones. Um, I've only ended up staying there a couple times, so they've been rare still, but can usually place up pretty high, and it's it's fun to go head-to-head on other people like that and know everybody's got the same set of rules, and it's just a race to the most gold. So for me, I think the the one I could really say that I'm legit like super proud of is that it, it, it's not even a really a competitive thing amongst you know against other players. Like that's why I was asking before. One thing I will say that's like a big accomplishment for me, at least so far, at least I have the record going so far good, is that I have I own and I have completed 100% every single Kingdom Hearts game that has been released in the United States. That includes all the PS2 games, PSP, DS, 3DS, and up to now. With the asterisk on trophies for the the PlayStation uh, 3 copies, the PlayStation 3 versions, the re-releases of those games. Now, with that, the reason why it's so important for me is because not only because I love the series, like we I've talked about plenty of times here on the podcast, but also that really shows that like I spent a lot of time with those games and I really put an effort into the time of actually exploring every single little aspect with that. You know, completing all the optional boss fights, getting all the specific synthesis items, creating the strongest weapons, getting the strongest magic, completing all the mini games, all those different things like that. That now these days, when you have something like that, would account for really more for trophies or for any sort of like you know sense of accomplishment like that well back then before especially on the ps2 era and you know including the psp there was no trophies around then so you were really just doing it for the sake of just seeing every little thing in the game so for me that was a big accomplishment and again it's for every single release in that series that's come out here in the united states because i know there's been japanese releases that were there for a time and now they're making their way over here to the states but for a while up to this point it's been something i've been proud of nice there's a lot of kingdom hearts video games man Exactly. So, like, again, imagine playing all those 100% straight through completely thoroughly every single time. Okay, well, sorry about that, folks. If you're listening to the podcast now, we have a few technical difficulties because Skype needs to be smacked around a couple times because it's acting up. So, after disciplining it, let me get back to what I was saying. Basically, one of the things that I had a problem with with the, the more recent, like, collection releases for that series was that the way that the trophies work, I would those are games I would platinum all of them if I had the opportunity to. But just like some, some of the things you have to do where you have to play one of the games, you know, straight through without changing equipment and, like, doing all this other stuff stuff is kind of contradictory to how an rpg game or how that rpg game is supposed to be played so i was like you know what i'm not doing this i'm a huge diehard fan of this series but like there are limits on what on what i actually feel like i should do or how much time i should invest in something but i still am proud of that accomplishes by at least being thorough with all those games sure yeah. that's fair yeah mm-hmm. so yeah, that that's that's that. So that's our three gaming accomplishments. I'm pretty sure we all have more. Obviously, we we all have like different things that we're proud of. Let me shoot it over to Pete. Pete, what what do you got for this week for the topics? 
Um, yeah, so this, uh, was it this week? Yes, it was this week because we're recording on Friday. Um, I checked out an episode of the Retronauts, which if you guys uh, don't know what this podcast is, it's a podcast by the folks over at uh, US Gamer. Uh, they basically... Um, you know, talk about older video games, and uh, this week they were actually highlighting Final Fantasy composer uh, Nobuo Oematsu. Nobuo our Lord yeah. and Savior and, Nobuo um, <laughs> And, like, you know, they were, they were really breaking it down, like how great the music was. They were even playing it in the background, and it really got me inspired to talk about Final Fantasy. Uh, you know, we all know, and I personally love this the, the series, and um, I really wanted to talk about it on on the podcast. So, uh, my question for you guys is, uh, you know, which Final Fantasy titles are considered underrated? And you know, you can break it down even farther, and it's not just like, you know, why is why is it underrated? Like because of the gameplay or music or characters or whatever. Like just in general, like which titles do you think are considered overrated in the Final Fantasy series? <clears throat> I, if I had to choose one, you know, being also an FF fan myself, that that's really big into the series as well. You know, besides it would be involving Kingdom Hearts and stuff like I was still a diehard FF fan. I have to say that one of the most underrated ones is Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time. I feel like not enough people talk about that game. Granted, it came after Rings of Fate, which is very similar in gameplay style and had a, some mild things differently that improved upon that formula and such. But like... The idea where that was like a, one of those four-player types of games that was an action RPG that had a lot more elements from traditional Final Fantasy rather than some of the stuff that we were seeing like after 7, 8, 9, and 10 and such. I feel it was such a fun game, especially it was one of those big DS games, which I feel was really awesome. And it had an adaptation for it for on the Wii at, back in the day, which I don't remember if it had online play or not. But those were, that was one of the games I felt like that would have been awesome doing four-player co-op online. That, that should get like some sort of re-release down the line because I thought it was just it was such a solid game to play. You said Crystal Chronicles Echoes? That was, it was Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles Echoes of Time. Oh, okay. I remember that It's one. the one that was on Wii and DS. On the DS okay. version, in my opinion, I feel that was the definitive version. Granted, you know, it had the dual screen to work with it on the DS itself. I know on the Wii, you had the different the two screens on there where, again, it was on one TV, and I think you could play on online, but I think the online play was horrible. Or you could do local with other people that had a DS, something like that. Kind of like what they do with the Legend of Zelda Four Swords, I think it was. But that was a game I always felt that it was solid enough that uh, I can imagine having four-player co-op online playing through that game and just doing all that type of stuff. It was so much fun. I remember playing it a lot in college. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played that played that one before. I, I, I remember it, but hmm. yeah, I also remember the Wii version. Never, never uh, touched it though. For me, it's all uh, Final Fantasy two in the U.S. So four proper. That would be the the underserved one, and it is. I mean, if you're around, I think you appreciate it. But if you, if to you, Final Fantasy is seven forward, then that would definitely be the one that's underrated and that is largely because of how highly regarded 6 is and with good reason i mean 6 is great too but for me 4 has always been my favorite one this is the uh it's the one with Cecil and Kane Golbez i always felt that got its due diligence though cuz look how many re-releases it's got and how many like complete editions it's got because granted people swear by 6 and, you right. know, as far That's as like traditional mean. Final Fantasy, but I look at four. I feel like four's got the most kind of like you know exposure out there over six because look, it had versions on the iOS, it had versions on the PSP, which was the complete saga, which I think is the definitive way to play that game because it's got the best artwork, it's got the all the different types of stuff, the interlude, the after years, all that stuff. I feel like it got so much like you know exposure and put out there. Not enough. We got like what? How many lightning returns do we have? <laughs> Oh, that's like, but that's like two sequels to a really bad Final Fantasy game. Yeah, so let's keep going with the good stuff, right? <laughs> we did though, but we did, that's not really though. Yeah. Here's my problem with all this: these were extra things released on like what was an after years on like cell phone or no, something Interlude like. Was on yeah, cell I don't think phone. that one counts. Though. Like Wonder Swan Color or something ridiculous. No, that, no, no, no. This is what happened. Basically, Interlude was on mobile phones. Then After Years got released on iOS, and then they combined all three of them with the, the those yeah, two. Yeah, I have it for on the Vita, the the, the PSP on the version. PSP, yeah, yeah, but that's 
totally not the way that I would want that release, though, is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's there. That's great. And I have it. Uh, and I, would I bought that game a million times. Uh, one on a TV. I, I mean, fortunately with this, I have the ever-popular PlayStation TV, so <laughs> I can put it on the TV. But, uh, I mean console versions is where it's at and i guess you can do it probably with the the ps well maybe with the ps3 you might be able to and also play that keep on in mind, that game was also on ps1 remember well, uh, okay, because of one of the origins collections th- yeah but that, that kind of doesn't matter now i mean super mario right. 3 was on nes you know but just because you can get it now doesn't mean that's the way that it should be i I don't know. I just I think in general I really right. would like. So you're them. saying that you want like the yeah. I, here's here I, I I like the top down turn based the old. That's what I would I would love to see and not another remake. Like I don't need to. I bought four like five times in my life already. I don't I don't need to buy this game again. But I'd like to see <laughs> a new Final Fantasy that is done in that style. Well, technically, didn't we have that already? And we're also getting a remake of Final Fantasy Venture that's done in that same style. That's a remake. That's what I'm saying. I would like a, a new game that's done in the old oh, style. Oh, you, you just want a new number? Like an original, yeah, like Final Fantasy 17 yeah. is a retro, like how Mega Man did the the old retro. I, I don't think they'll ever do that again because for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that their closest way that they're going to do something like that is Bravely Default or the Bravely Default series. And two, I think that Final Fantasy mm-hmm. has kind of, you know, as a series evolved or at least gone in a direction very similar to how Resident Evil changed up its identity where it's become a lot more about the cinematic and like crazy visuals rather than just like the core like story, you know, over everything else. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you're not going to ever get that same level of attention. Yeah, to but I mean, and, yeah, and that blew up in their face too, didn't it? Though Resident Evil. Yeah. True. Did. No, true. But but that's not my. Point. <coughs> it's like again because they're two totally different series. But my point is, is like how it changed up its identity, where its focus was more on the visual representation and the and the ever evolving formula, rather than just first building upon the story and the character relationships that you saw in those older FFs. Because you compare the relationships and how the plot unfolds in Final Fantasy IV, Final Fantasy VI. And I'll even throw five and some of the earlier games in there, and you compare them to the later Final Fantasies. You'll see the difference in the approach. But between the two different uh was it the two different uh games or the different games that are in that series because the later ones from from 10 onward and i'll even argue nine being the last one that had that traditional approach to it 10 onward was all about how do we change up final fantasy constantly how do we make the visuals some of the best that we've seen in the industry but how do we iterate on a new formula with a new game each time yeah, but I think now is the time to go back to to the old school formula, you know, the old school Final Fantasy formula, because we've had so many Final Fantasy video games that are that are so different. You know, like you just said, like 10 moving forward, they're all they're all playing different than what we were originally used to back in like the PlayStation one and, you know, the NES and SNES. Um, but I, uh, I, I agree with David when he said that there needs to be another Final Fantasy video game that plays like traditional Final Fantasy video games, you know, like when I believe it was Lightning Returns. It was like the last Final Fantasy 13 game that came out. They had a trailer that was like 8-bit oh, yeah. and that looked yeah. amazing. And I think because they're not approaching <clears throat> Final Fantasy video games in that way, they're sort of leaving money on the table. I mean, it, when you think about it, I'm sure it'd be a, not – a large budget, but it wouldn't be a small budget either. <clears throat> but um, nonetheless, I think if they did that, they would sell so many copies um, because it's really just feeding off to fans. You know, like we're all going to eat that up if we see it. And they let's say they announce it hypothetically at E3, we're all going to be like, hell yeah, we're going to get that game because it's what we all grew up with. And right? you can release it on everything. It can be on phones and consoles. You know. and you Absolutely. Know Good point. And, and this kind of plays into some stuff that happened in the news not too long ago. If you guys remember, uh, Square Enix released a survey, and they were asking about Persona 5. And one of the reasons or that came up or one of the discussions that were being had was that Square Enix was kind of fearful of releasing Final Fantasy 15 around the same time that Persona 5 comes out because Persona 5 has a diehard, hardcore fan base. Even though that's, that's a series that appeals to everybody, that formula is very traditional for that series. And uh, again, there's so, like you guys are right. There is a demand 
for that traditional RPG or turn-based formula like what was established back in NES and SNES days and stuff. The only thing is is that I feel like with, with Final Fantasy and with Square Enix as a company, I don't feel like they'll ever really kind of like commit to going back to that style because they, I think that they... They, they kind of make an allusion to it where they say, like, you know, we're reevaluating the series, we're reevaluating re- our approach to making games. And they have games like Bravely Default or Bravely Second that do that. Or even, and you'll, you could even throw in Dragon Quest in there for, for an extent. But when it comes to, like, actually making a big splash or the ones that they feel like still sell and really are the ones that make the most noise is what is their approach to what they've been doing with Final Fantasy the last couple of years. So even though it's wishful thinking, and I would totally be down with what you guys are saying, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think so either. But uh, my Final Fantasy title that I believe is underrated is, in fact, Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, and I think it's underrated. I, I think it's underrated solely because its predecessor is Final Fantasy VII, obviously. But, you know, how, how big Final Fantasy VII is, it, it kind of leaves Final Fantasy VIII in the dark, right? Like, the, the video game possesses an amazing soundtrack, like we've mentioned before. Peace uh, soundtrack! Which, <clears throat> which was created by the musical composer Nobuo Uematsu. Um, but like even even like looking okay so when you power on the video game for the first time or even you know when you start up the game anyways uh it it has an amazing cinematic and the cinematic lays out the story for you right there and then like you know uh squall gets in a fight uh, he, and then he just wakes up you know in a hospital bed you know what i mean so it lays everything out for you right before you act- your adventure actually starts and i really love that about the video game um i didn't play it when it came to north america in 1999 for the playstation um i think i bought a copy oh, man i want to say like two three years ago and i played a good chunk of it um but i really loved the combat man like it, it was traditional final fantasy uh, you know it had this weird like i don't know if you guys remember this weird uh, test i don't know if it was seeds or yeah it was seed that was the organization that squall was part of yeah i i could not get the hang of that but um, test. <laughs> yeah seed but I, yeah but i think everything after that though like i i really love the video game uh like i said i haven't finished it uh, something i definitely want to return to but uh, in my opinion, that would have to be the most underrated Final Fantasy video game. I can understand that pick. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VIII. I've always been a big fan. More so, not because of the story and stuff. I think the story, you know, has little issues here and there when compared to other titles in the series. I was a fan of a lot of the design, you know, like the Gunblade, I think, is what really appeals to people. What they think of when they think of Final Fantasy VIII, that's where that whole thing started. And I'm pretty sure that's where Lightning got her blade from. Mm-hmm. But... Where, where I think you're right also is that the music. I think musically and, and soundtrack-wise, Final Fantasy VIII is superior to Final Fantasy VII by oh. far. The only reason why people remember Seven soundtrack so vividly is because that one got a lot of exposure for being the first 3D take on the Final Fantasy series. You know, when they jumped from Nintendo's partnership exclusivity right. to PlayStation and they put the first Final Fantasy on the PlayStation 1. The fun fact also, Final Fantasy VIII was the first quote-unquote realistic-looking models for the FF series. Because, remember, Final Fantasy VII still had that stylized, you know, chibi look for their characters, despite the heavy subject matter. With Final Fantasy VIII, they tried to make them look more like realistic human beings. And I thought that was cool, and I thought that was interesting. Again, there's some issues with it, and a lot of people knock that game down because of the stuff, you know, involving the plot. Some of the characters and the villain motivations is kind of, eh here and there and some of the other support characters aren't really as memorable as like some of the rest of the other characters and other games of the series but i still think it's an awesome game in its own right mm-hmm. definitely i would love to see that i would have preferred would final fantasy 8 to be remade than final fantasy 7 to be honest with you because we've been getting nothing but final fantasy 7 since the game like originally came out yeah you know, re-releases one everybody on- loves though yeah, it's the yeah. one that everybody remembers. And the only reason why, though, is because they that was the problem. For most people, that was their first Final Fantasy. And for two, again, because it was the first 3D one, that made it such a huge splash and such a quote-unquote revolutionary title at the time. And then yeah. everything else afterwards, the one that really people put above 8 is 9. Because a lot of people really swear by Final Fantasy 9 for it having a lot more of those traditional elements, even though it's almost very similar to 8 in a lot of regards. I have yet to play that video game, but I know it's coming out on PC. Yep. Uh, it's coming out on Steam, so I think I'm going to check it out. I think it'll be like $20 when it comes out this year. Yeah. That'll be mm. interesting. I mean, again, I'm, I'm down with you. I would love to see a remake of it and see that whole uh, dance scene, the Waltz to the Moon, done in oh, HD. Man. Any, oh, man, that would be yeah. amazing. That would be awesome. <laughs>
final topic I'm bringing to the table this week, I want to talk about sexualization of characters. Okay, now specifically, this was sparked for me because our boy, or my man, Mike Martin, okay, he wrote an article, an editorial for Pixelkin, where he was talking about the, the over-sexualization of the female characters in Street Fighter V. Now, obviously, a lot of people out there in the industry, both consumers, writers, news reporters, whatever, they have an opinion about sexualization of characters, you know, just in gaming as a whole. Now, the reason why I want to bring this up is because I feel like with this article, even though it's an awesome article, you guys should definitely go read it. I think it's a discussion that should be had by everybody when it comes to character designs, when it comes to all types of series, not just Street Fighter, you know, out there. This is something that everybody should talk about at one point or another. But I feel, in my opinion, after reading his article, which is very good, I feel like some of it is reaching a little bit. And I feel like, you know, it's focusing on more minute types of things that are, are kind of like being kind of blown up in my opinion that that really aren't as bad as what his editorial makes it out to be now i want to get your guys opinions and stuff because again i don't know if you guys got a chance to read it or whatnot but from what i gather like he uses examples for stuff like you know the character designs of like you know armika you know laura the new brazilian fighter brazilian jiu-jitsu character that's in there he even makes mentions of other characters like you know stuff like cammy you know, and, and kind of, you know, doesn't touch upon other stuff. But again, I want to get your guys' ideas and thoughts about, like, this whole discussion. Well, you know who they're targeting when hear? they do stuff like this. I mean, there's a demo that they're going for, uh, and there's a reason that they're going for it, because they're eating this stuff up, apparently. So, I mean, for me, I know it's very popular to have the, the PC police telling everybody what they're supposed to like nowadays, but I look at the world from a more libertarian set of glasses and i would tell people to vote with your wallets and if people don't want this and they're so offended by it that they're not going to play the game because of how the characters look then the company's not going to make any money and then they're going to have to do something different going forward and figure it out i mean it basically the thing you can't do here is complain about it and also play the game because then you're just supporting it and it's going to keep happening so if you want change you have to stand up for it um but i guess ultimately this is only a problem if people let it continue and i would just say you know vote with your wallets but let me ask you before i shoot over to pete you know is the sexualization of some of these characters like, you know, Chun-Li looking sexy, Cammy looking sexy, Laura looking like, you know, stereotypical big busty breasted uh, woman being sexy, is that really offensive or should that really be offensive? To Something's offensive to everybody, whether it should be or not. Right. I mean, that's that's up to you. And if you're offended by it, then it's your job to not support it. I mean, if you're not offended by it, then do whatever you want. It doesn't affect me. I mean... If somebody wants to make this game and make them all naked, I mean, whatever. I mean, they're probably not going to be able to sell it because it'll get an adult-only rating. But should that but character design change, though? Like, is it a bad That's not my call to make. I mean, that's the business's call to make. And they, if they think making the characters look the way they do is helping more teenage boys buy the game and getting them excited to play this game, like Dead or Alive Volleyball or something, and... I mean, in my opinion, it's I not. It's, no, no, I, I understand. Yeah, it's not. It's not the same there. But to an extreme example, is you know, it's very clear why they're doing that in the volleyball game, and I mean, the same ideas here. It's like you know, what if they put um, the quiet from Metal Gear in as a Street Fighter character? You know, it, it, it's something like it's more in line with that. Where it's like, is this a good depiction of women? If the if they're just kind of like making them into you know pieces of meat to stare at here it's uh i don't know that that's their intention but i mean these characters are designed away for a reason it's not just random so hmm. i don't th i don't really think it's a problem because they can make whatever they want to make i'm not going to tell them you're not allowed to do this but i'm certainly allowed to not buy it true good point now pete let, let me get your thoughts on this okay again is this a really a big deal like should these character designs uh change you know from not being sexualized should they be more conservative is this like a problem is it you know hitting hitting the integrity of capcom or the street fighter series in general what do you think about all this i don't i don't think they should leave it out but i do think they should give uh individuals the option to change the attire um, you know, like video game characters right now, uh, especially in Street Fighter Five, they're kind of uh, they're a little, you know, they're a little out there. You know, you have characters like Cammy, and I think you said her name was Miku, which was Ar like, Armika. 
or whatever she's the wrestler. wrestler yeah you know her you know her butt is just hanging out and you know i i kind of get a little uncomfortable obviously we're all adults here and we know that it's just a video game but it's still i get that little personal like hmm you know if i'm playing the video game like let's say next to my wife That's i may exactly feel a little uncomfortable uh, you know, she's going to, she, I mean, we're not insecure people, but it's just like, uh, what are you playing? You know? And I could only imagine what, how she would feel if I was playing like beach volleyball or something like that. So, you know, Dave is right. It's all targeted towards like a specific audience and, you know, Capcom or any game developer has the option to create video games the way they want to. I'm not going to tell them not to do it, but, uh, I do feel like we need, we do need options here, uh, to, uh, Capcom's credit in the case of Street Fighter V, they, um, not right now, but I'm positive moving forward, they're going to implement new costumes and, and, and such for, for characters. So that's going to give me the option to switch costumes if I, if I wish to do so. But I'm also going to have to pay more money to use those costumes. So it's like I paid my $65 out the door. Uh, for the video game, but now I'm going to have to jump into a $10 add-on pack for costumes just so I can feel comfortable uh, playing the video game. And and I don't really like that um, because it's getting more money out of me when, like I said, back to my original point where I should have the option to change uh, initially, you know, well, right off the bat. Now, now, here's where I fall into all this. Again, like I said, I, I, I think that Mike, uh, our boy Mike Martin, does does – a good job and brings up some great discussion points for this types of stuff. And again, I feel like, you know, just overall after going through the whole thing, I feel like it's a little bit reaching because, you know, I feel like now a lot of people in the industry, you know, for a while now, give or take a couple of years, you know, have been, you know, looking down on the idea or trying to be very, very, con- not condescending, but very kind of like, you know, shoo away the notion of like over-sexualized female characters. Now, where I fall into this with Street Fighter specifically and Street Fighter V, again, I don't own a copy of Street Fighter V right now, but I played it with, with other people, you know, at events and, and friends that own the game. You know, Street Fighter has always had a character design, kind of like a mantra or kind of like a thing with most of their characters, all the way dating back to the original Street Fighter or even Street Fighter Two, where stereotypes were kind of like enhanced, you know, for one reason or another. You know, the females were, were sexualized because, you know, for whatever reason, for what based on what country they were from, but they were still strong and they still could kick some ass and stuff like that. The guys were like hyper crazy looking, all, you know, over through the roof muscles and they could still kick some ass and they do one thing. Some of them were stupid, some of them were not. You know, they played to a lot of stereotypes, especially based off the countries that the character's supposed to be from. The same thing also goes for like just how good looking, quote unquote, whatever that may mean for, to you, you know, subjective or whatnot, would go for both the male and the female characters. You look at Ryu, Ryu looks like a very strong, you know, uh, not not conservative, but like a really strong, you know, traditionalized, you know, Japanese male that's w- would be considered like you know a strong type of character. You look at Chung Li, which is one of the things that Mike never really touched upon in the in his uh, editorial. Chung Li is a female where she's got like the thunder thighs, which is what people call them. You know, the big thighs, the big thigh muscles, or the big calves. You, you know, would too if you that- could kick like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. But but uh, basically, she she looks a little bit more conservative, and she still comes off as sexy, and she's still strong or whatnot. But that doesn't necessarily mean that just because of her attire is different, you know, is is less revealing compared to someone like Cammy or compared to someone like Armika that they that she's more stronger, or she's more acceptable than any of these other characters. I think that you know, just for the simple fact that. You know, there's a little bit more extra skin showing on one character or another, or there's a lot of skin showing on one character or another, or she's got one specific or they got one specific, you know, attribute about them that's more exaggerated than another character. There, there seems to be kind of like this picky and choosy thing where we, we get a lot of people get so bent out of shape of what should be accepted and what should not. Now, to David's point. Like what he said, you know, everybody has the freedom of choice whether to buy the game or not. And everybody has the freedom of choice to be vocal about it or not. But I think that, you know, when you start talking about how characters' designs need to change and, you know, things should not be included in the game or, like, going forward, this should be totally changing up the creative process for Capcom when they make their games and stuff like that. I think that gets into very gray territory and it gets to very almost unfair territory based off the feelings of a few people. Because... I'm pretty sure there, besides people that might have had an issue with some of the designs with like the female characters in that game, there's still just as many people that don't that are either feeling different or think that they're fine and think that, and think yeah, that that's most the problem. Of it, yeah, exactly. I, I know. I didn't. I what we're I think dancing around here is there. You know, there's things like the the feminist frequency where they're 
life's mission is to change the way that all games are made because they think that's the way they should be and this is what i think you're eventually getting down to is uh if you can't tell people you know you can't make this character sexualized because i don't want it to be but there's somebody else out there who's maybe totally cool with it and yeah, might even be buying it because of that so their a personal opinion is just as valid as yours even if you're offended by it yeah, it's not like it's not like you know Capcom made the characters to look like porn characters or like you know Street Fighter Five is a porn. But even if they did, that's their call, right? That's it's what still I'm and, and yeah, you're you're exactly right. It's still their call on how they design their game and how they actually portray their game when they put it out there on the market. And really, the market speaks for itself because there's clearly ever since Street Fighter Four and all the way dating back to Street Fighter Two. Even I'll even throw in Third Strike, which introduced Elena and a couple other characters that are really you know again they reveal a lot of skin. They're very sexualized, you know, based off the country of which they they're they're supposedly have their origin from. People still buy it, and there's clearly not a lot of people having that much of a big issue despite this vocal minority of people, or I shouldn't say vocal minority, but these people that are out there that, that are really like quote unquote offender are really upset for certain things or again, having a problem with it. It's, it's, this is the way of life now. This is how things will be forever. Now, one thing I will say though, I much like any other game out there. I don't think that just because of that type of, you know, mindset from some people or because of the issues or the discussion or the, or the talking points that people brought up that the discussion should not be had. You know, in regards to all types of series, I think that when it comes to character designs, should a character be sexualized? Should a character not be sexualized? Does it serve a point? Does it not serve a point? That those types of talks should be had. I don't think that anybody should avoid them on both sides. And at the same time, I don't think that anybody should put down the other for having a different side. Uh, yes, case. but that is the key, though. The whole game is putting down the other side because they're wrong and you're right, and that's why everything in the world is falling. I, I don't to pieces. think so, though. I don't that's think always how it is. Is our side is right, and you need to change your mind nobody's actually having discussions with where they're respecting the opinion of other people true but that's not at the fault of the game though as well i know i know i yeah i'm agreeing with you here i'm just saying you're you're right in saying that the discussions are great to have but i don't think they're happening i think people are doing it with a motive of changing the other side yeah, exactly. They just want to debate or if, like, again, you feel differently, automatically they want to ostracize you. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's way too much of that. That's happened more in the last couple of years than any other time in gaming. And I feel there's a bunch of different reasons for that, you know, outside of the games themselves. But you're totally right that nobody really wants to sit down and have a discussion like that. Because I don't think it's right also to limit options or limit certain territory where a game could go based off the fact of either the fear of offending people, the fear of a vocal minority, or just like, you know, just for the simple fact that, you know, this fear of like, you know, this perception that some people might have. I mean, shouldn't technically really the focus besides the the, the character designs and stuff is that, okay, how much of an enjoyable game Street Fighter V is worth playing? Like, I don't think anybody's they're losing out there you know, maybe there are stuff, but at least people that I know haven't really been losing out their enjoyment for because of the design of one character or another, or that they feel like there's certain things that are just not being catered to. Because let's be real, if you want to talk about character designs, especially female characters being sexualized, there's a couple of uh, conservative characters in Street Fighter V. There's uh, Karen, there's Chung Lee, there's a couple others in there, and there's even more coming as DLC, from my understanding. Like, but again, talking point or another, I just wanted to throw it out there and try to get that get some food for thought out there for everybody on there any other final thoughts from you guys about this uh that we're damned if we do or damned if we don't pretty much with anything involving video games (laughs) yep and i can i have a theory on all of this that is for another time so theorizing scheming david quickly (laughs) but either way with that being said though guys we're gonna take a small little break don't go anywhere we'll be right back and then we'll continue our discussions Hey there, listeners. How's it going? If you're liking what you're hearing so far, please leave us a review over on iTunes. Leaving show feedback for us is always a great way to help make the show better overall. And if you'd like to connect with us on Twitter, hit us up at AllStarPod on Twitter. And don't forget, you could send us an email at AllStarPod.Hotmail.com. Again, hit us up on Twitter at AllStarPod and also send us an email at AllStarPod.Hotmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Now let's get back to the show. All right, we're back. Time to get back into some more gaming talk or whatnot. But it's about that time for some trivia. So whose turn is it this week for some trivia? Uh, I believe it's mine. Oh, Pete, what, so. what are you bringing us? How are you going to body us this week with the actual trivia? Uh, this week's trivia is uh, 
It's all about the Legend of Zelda. Oh, uh, you know, we we just uh, celebrated the thirtieth, uh, right? Thirtieth anniversary, anniversary yep. of the Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which I'm sure is a game that we've all played. Um, fascinating video game. You can find it on a variety of platforms. Uh, if you don't already own it. But, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and get down to business. So, question number one, Uh-oh. if you guys are ready. Oh, I'm ready. Which of the following items were used to glide your way across water in the original Legend of Zelda? Was it A, boat, B, bird, C, raft, or D, turtle? I'm going to go with C, raft. Uh, yeah, me too. That sounds good. That sounds good. So you, you're not sure. I'm not. No, it? it's been way too long. All right. Well, you're both right. It is C raft. I mean, I would have said boat if raft didn't also show up as a choice. I remember that specifically. <laughs> about, and how you found it? You found it in one of the dungeons. You got like this weird. It looked. It looked like just a bunch of logs put together. So, it kind of, <laughs> but, it, but it got the point across, which is great. <laughs> it did, and it got Link across where he needed to go. So, moving on to question number two. How many temples were found in the original Legend of Zelda? Was it A, <clears throat> excuse me, was it A, 5, B, 6, C, 8, or D, 9? I think it was D, 9, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I will say 8. All right. Uh, yeah, the answer is actually D, it's 9. The Legend of Zelda had 9 temples. I, I remember that because I know... Many. There's, there's one, what was it? Uh, there's one actual temple in that game where the map looks like an array in uh, swastika. Yeah, see, a lot of people get that kind of like, you know. That, but that doesn't mean the Nazi symbol. That's supposed to mean the array symbol for the sun in Japanese. Uh, I thought it was temple. Well, uh, well no, it, it, it's it's a symbol that's used for like the array sign of the sun for like a Bushido or just like, you know, that whole thing involving the Buddha. It gets very complicated, but that is <laughs> Japanese culture. The point is, it doesn't mean what a lot of people mistake it for. Right. I remember I'd seen that for the first time and I was freaking out. I was like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, anyways, we'll move on to the last question. <clears throat> so the final question is, assuming you've entered through the first door you see in The Legend of Zelda, which of the following statements are you presented with? Is it A, it's dangerous to go alone, take a friend? B, it's dangerous to go alone, take me? C, it's dangerous to go alone, take this? Or D, it's dangerous to go alone, oh, excuse me. It's dangerous out there, kid, call for help. <clears throat> That's easy. That's C. Yeah, all day. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I like D, though. Yeah, <laughs> right? That would have been so much more cool if you said that. That would be funny. Here's a cell phone. Man. Um, okay, so let's see here. It's a tie. No, basically. it's not. And it's yes, it is. Actually, well, it's 2 1 for JJ. Is it? It's 2 1, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it is 2 1. Oh, yeah. I'm stupid. Okay, never mind. JJ wins. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> now it's fun. Either way. Well, again, I could, I could say. You know, at least that was cool because, again, we just celebrated the 30th anniversary of Zelda. And for me, I'm actually going through a Zelda reawakening soon. I'm actually going to mm-hmm. go back at one point and start playing some of the older Legend of Zelda games. Man, it, you know what? Like, if, you, if you're going to go back to play a Zelda game, play the original Zelda on, like, virtual console. Man, yeah. it's, it's so much easier with a... I mean, if you, you know, obviously take advantage save. of the, There's a couple the save states. Yeah. There's a couple I actually want to do. I want to do that. I want to do Link to the Past. I want to do Link's Awakening. Seasons? Oracle of Seasons and Ages. I want to actually do both of them because I have it on my 3DS. I like those. Those were underrated. Those were good, dude. I I remember freaking out because Link could jump in uh, Link's Awakening with that. I think it was the feather, right? Yeah, it was the feather. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Those are really good games. I, 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 too, agree that... uh, there was also fun fact there was a third one planned out that was going to fit into the whole triforce theme that it was supposed to be with a green uh sage i forgot the exact name of it i know a friend of mine did a video about it man yeah yeah i actually i think they were talking about that on nintendo voice chat as well um they were talking about that last week but have you guys seen or had the opportunity to play the it's like this fan-made uh ocarina of time video game it's it's the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, but just in 2D, as if it would be like, you know. Oh, no. no. 
Link the last that. the last fan game I heard about that I looked into was the one about the guy who was a father to his daughter changed all the dialogue. I think it was to a link to the past to make it be gender gender neutral so his daughter could play it. I think that was a Donkey Kong video game. He uh, he changed because uh, I know he it? did Zelda. There was a big article on Kotaku. Yeah, I know there was a Zelda one recently too. Yeah, uh, I think it was linked to the past. Yeah, I think it was linked to the past. If I'm not mistaken, right on. I'd play that. That'd be cool. I mean, it's no different. It just changes all the references from him to kid th- or something. You know. One thing I do want to do, though, is that I actually want to go back and play Master Quest for Ocarina of Time. Like, actually really sit down and just go through that. Because I've played Ocarina of Time plenty of times and completed it and stuff. But I never really completed Master Quest like that. Master Quest wasn't too, wasn't too difficult. Like, if you're really good at Ocarina of Time, I don't think you'll have a problem. Isn't it just Master the dungeons Quest? are flipped? No, it's everything's flipped. You take more damage. There's different types of like you know room placement. I think also or something else involving the dungeons themselves. I know everything is supposedly mirrored, and then there's like a couple other stuff you could do. And I think there's other couple of restrictions that you get, especially in the 3D uh, remake on 3DS. Yeah. Uh, Does uh, Does Majora's Mask? I should know this because I have it. But does Majora's Mask have a master quest? No, it Uh, actually has changes though for the 3DS version. That would be dope. Uh, and and another one too I want to do also, I'm actually gonna get the the uh, HD remake on the Wii U, uh Wind Waker. I really want to sit down and play Wind Waker because that that I feel is a, a Zelda game that a lot of people have a lot of revisionist history about. That a lot of people I, Colin talks about this all the time, I'm kinda funny, where he says like everybody hated that game, now everybody loves that game. I like, hated it back then, I still don't like it. I still hate that video game. I tried like, playing yeah, through it too recently, and but, but a lot of it has changed it. up. And the reason why a lot of people hate it, outside of the fact that people that probably played it and just didn't like it, there were people that hated it because they saw that trailer prior to it getting released that was supposed to look like a more Ocarina of Time take on a new Legend of Zelda game for the GameCube before Twilight Princess and stuff. And then when really? that game came out, everybody was really pissed off because they went to that toony style for Wind Waker. Oh. And then when then when Twilight Princess came out, then they were satisfied and stuff. But there was a lot of revisionist history with that game. I wasn't upset with the cartoon look of, uh, you know, Wind Waker. I just could not get a grip on the sailing. Like, there was so much water in that video game. Apparently that got it, changed up. That got no, changed it, up. It, no, it didn't. I mean, some people, I mean, to an extent, but it's still like... Well, you get like a drags. map now. I mean, it's supposed to be a little bit it, easier, but you the, still have to do all the sailing. You get the quick sail, I think is what it's called, but it's still a lot of sailing. It's just... It, man, I, I I know I'm doing myself a disservice for not playing that video game, but it's just I could not get back into it after playing because it, it came with my Wii U, and I I got uh, about maybe four yeah uh, four hours in, and I just man I just couldn't do it anymore. But I really want to finish that. The sailing. I really want to play through that, and because I've never really sat down and played that game, so I'm I'm really gonna do that one day. Great music, you know. Yeah. The damn sailing. But definitely. So. There's no community spotlight this week, as per usual, last couple shows and stuff. But let's talk about some cool stuff that we have going on. Let's start off with David. David, anything cool you want to plug real quick? I've been writing for VGNewsWire.net. Last week was Vita's fourth uh, anniversary in North America here. So I have several Vita articles that you can go check out. And if they're not out yet very soon there will be two more reviews I have coming I got uh, Walking Dead Michonne and Hitman Go nice nice interesting Vita owners mourned during this fourth anniversary I yeah. liked your your editorial you put up about the Vita why it failed I thought that was like really good thanks it was, re- it was really well done and stuff personally for me I think the reason why that the one of the big reasons outside of everything else besides games and stuff like that was the proprietary memory cards oh, that's yeah. why it failed yeah. Yeah. if yeah. it was because you could put in standard SD cards or standard micro SD cards in there that you get for like 20 bucks or less Vita would have been amazing but because you have to pay the extra $100 on top of the system on top of the games stuff yeah. that's what killed it yeah, that that killed it for me. Like, I wa- I still want a Vita, but I'm not. I don't want to spend two hundred dollars on a system and spend another hundred dollars on an upgraded memory. Card. And you need it. That's the thing. You need yeah. that dollars for it to get a thirty-two or sixty-four gigabyte card. I know it as as a Vita owner of two Vitas. This so far, it is freaking necessary, and it sucks. Yep. Yeah. But anyway, let's shoot it over to Pete. Pete, any other final stuff you want to wrap up with? Um. 
yeah, check me out on VGNewsWire.net as well. Uh, I have a Street Fighter Five review that should go up today, if not tomorrow. Uh, I just want to make sure it's nice and nice and pretty. Um, and you can follow VG Newswire on Twitter. It's VG underscore Newswire. Uh, and uh, yeah, just follow those places. And uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> nice, nice. Looking forward to that. And then finally, with me, a couple things I could actually talk about. Uh, speaking of Zelda 30th anniversary, I did a Zelda 30th anniversary vlog on my YouTube channel, Gamers with Games channel on YouTube. You could search it just for Gamers with Games. Uh, I talked about the series itself and reason why I'm going through a Zelda reawakening, you know, going back to the series and actually playing more of the games in the series and really kind of really immersing myself in Zelda, you know, over now at this point in time in my life. So that's one thing that we put out there for you guys. And also my Twitch channel, my streaming channel on Twitch, you know, again, Gamers with Games, which is also the same thing on there. But I've been streaming every single weekday, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, playing a variety of different games. Been playing a lot of Smash Brothers, which has been cool. But tonight, at the time when we're recording this pod, this podcast, which is like that Friday night, I'm actually doing Undertale. I don't know if you guys got a chance to really kind of check out Undertale, but Undertale is pretty dope. And it's got some got an awesome soundtrack, but I'm going to be playing that with the chat and actually doing a lot of interaction with the chat and talking about, you know, seeing, you know, different things about the game and actually seeing where the actual viewers in the chat want me to actually help it to play that game. So that's going to be fun. Last time I did it, we had a lot of people in there had really enjoying themselves, had a great time. So definitely check that out. But besides all that, let's also remind you guys that you guys could also be part of the IGN All-Star Community Podcast. Interact with us by shooting us over a tweet at AllStarPod on Twitter. Also shooting us an email, AllStarPod at Hotmail.com. Send us questions. Send us feedback. Send us suggestions. Any sort of stuff that you guys want to let us know about in regards to the podcast, send it over to us. And also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes, okay? Any sort of rating that you guys can give us on iTunes, hopefully it's five stars because we're awesome. If you guys could rate us on iTunes, you could help make the show even better, get more exposure, get more people listening to the All-Star Podcast. We would really appreciate it. We want to make sure that this podcast is the number one IGN community podcast, the number one IGN fan podcast on the internet. So tweet this out to everybody that you know. Tweet this out to IGN editors. Tweet this out to your friend, to your boy. Tweet this out to your favorite online personality. Let them know that the All-Star Podcast is here for you when you need it. So any other final thoughts, guys, before we wrap up? Yeah, just... uh once again thank you everybody for listening appreciate it nice nice indeed david any other final thoughts we're wrapping up nope uh, we'll see everybody next week well right. actually i won't but they'll see you guys next week yeah dave, dave <laughs> is gonna go out and save the world you know he's over there he works as a secret agent you know fun fact cat out of the bag he works for mi6 so we're just putting it out there okay so he's got to go take care of you know business Never by my accent. Spot. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah right but you know, so so when the next Bond movie comes out, you know exactly what he was doing. But either way, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We will talk to all of you again real soon. Again, shoot us a tweet at our Twitter at All Star Pod on Twitter, and shoot us an email at All Star Pod at hotmail.com. We will talk to all of you guys again real soon. Peace out and stay epic, everybody. Peace. <laughs>